What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So today, the Red Sox start a series against the New York Mets. I'm going to preview that series. Before I do so, I'm going to talk about the Red Sox and how they played in this series against the Oakland A's. The Sox now stand at 51-46 and on the year and are three games back in the wildcard race. Lost a couple games in the three-game series to the Oakland A's. Very disappointing to see. I figured one of the games they may lose since two of the games were going to be with an opener. I figured they'd lose one of the two games where an opener started. And it ended up being they won one of the games with the opener starting, like I thought. But they lost the game where Brian Bayo started on Wednesday, which was a tough loss. So I'll break down that series in just a second, and then I'll talk about the Red Sox and where they stand now before the trade deadline, and then I'll record another episode right after this on the trade deadline. I'll give you guys predictions on who I think will be traded at the trade deadline and give you guys some buyers and sellers. So let's start off with the Red Sox and how they performed in this series against the Oakland A's. Game one of the series on Monday night, Nick Pavetta was the story of the game. 13 strikeouts for Pavetta in relief, which was actually the most by a Red Sox reliever in franchise history. He went six innings, giving up no hits, no runs, 13 strikeouts, two walks on 87 pitches. He's been great out of the bullpen. I know a lot of people are talking about him potentially being a guy the Red Sox could sell high on right now and move on from him with a year left of control after this year and try to get back something in return. But the way I see it is he's pitching so well right now, and even though there is a chance he goes back to his old ways and gets hit hot again, I don't think the Red Sox are in a position right now to trade pitches, especially when all of their pitches right now, it seems like a hurt. You have Chris Sale on the injured list. You have Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck on the IL as well. Corey Kluber on the IL. The Red Sox really can't trade any of their pitches. You have James Paxton, Brian Bayo, and Cutter Crawford as your three starters. Then you have Nick Pavetta, who's essentially a starter, but he really is mid or relief. There's an opener that goes an inning or two, and then Pavetta comes in relief. But... I don't think the Red Sox are in position right now to trade him. Even though he's been great as a reliever and you could definitely sell high on him right now, I would keep him. In 15 relief appearances for Pavetta on the year, 35 innings pitched with 52 strikeouts to 14 walks, 9 earned runs in 35 innings with a 2.31 ERA and a 124 opponent batting average. He's been fantastic, so I'd keep Pavetta. In Game 2, the Red Sox lost 3-0 to Oakland. Another opener game was a tough loss. Sox had three errors in that game. The offense just really never got going. And then in game three, with Brian Bayo on the mound, I felt pretty good that the Red Sox would take the series during the day game on Wednesday. I felt pretty good that they'd win that game, take two of three, and things would work out. Even though you do lose a game to Oakland, at least you take two of three and win the series. That wasn't the case. I was wrong. Brian Bayo was lit up in this game on Wednesday, giving up six earned runs in four innings pitched, giving up five hits, three home runs, three strikeouts to two walks, in 67 pitches overall. He is 7-3 on the year with a 2.39 ERA at night. But in day games, he's made five starts. He is 0-3 in those five starts with a 7.25 ERA. So I guess we've seen his good being at night and his bad being during the day. His kryptonite, I guess, is daytime games. J.J. Blade had a big series for Oakland. He had two home runs, including one against Brian Bayo on Wednesday. So now the Sox have a three-game series at Fenway versus the Mets. This Mets team is in win-now desperation mode right now. They have no option but to win most of their remaining games before the trade deadline, especially if they want to try to make a run towards the end of the season. I know, according to reports, they are in Hill Mary mode where they're just trusting that the team they have could definitely turn things around and make a run, which it's possible. I'm going to make an argument in my next episode about teams, whether they should sell or buy or be in the middle. I'm going to talk about where some teams that have made it to the World Series over the past few years were at this point in the season. And I'll give you guys my thoughts 
on the Mets there, which I'm going to give you a little bit of my thoughts right now as well. But they're in wind-out desperation mode, and in that mode, in that state of mind, there's two things that typically happen. You catch fire and things turn around. By taking more risks, things just work out, and you start putting the pieces back together, or the wheels just completely fall off. It's never really the middle. When you're in wind-out desperation mode, it's never really the middle. You either win big or you fail hard. And where the Mets stand right now, this season has been a huge failure. The biggest failure in the game of baseball this year has been the New York Mets, and then the St. Louis Cardinals are right behind them as well. But the Mets have been so disappointing to watch. They have the highest payroll in the major leagues and are right now six games under 500, and are seven games back of the Philadelphia Phillies for the last NL wildcard spot. And I root for this team to do well, and I've been a fan of them. My friend Dan, huge Mets fan, so I root for them for his sake. And I like a lot of players on the team. Max Scherzer has been one of my favorite pitches in the game of baseball growing up. I do like a couple other players on that team as well, like Stalin Mate. But here's the thing with this Mets team. Even with all those guys healthy, they're still struggling. Verlander and Scherzer have been healthy now for the past month or so. And they're still struggling. And the Mets are still six games under five hundred. So even though I want this team to turn things around and make it to the World Series like I had in my predictions before the year began, with them being tied for the fourth hardest remaining schedule left in the major leagues, and being six games under 500 and seven back of Philly right now for the last wildcard spot, I would sell if I was this Mets team. And I'm not saying rip things up completely and trade Pete Alonso and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, but I would definitely potentially look at trading one of Verlander or Scherzer. If there's an offer that you can't deny then I trade one of them. I'm not trading one of them just to trade one of them, but if there's an offer that's undeniable and you say, yes, we need to take that, then I'd be on board with the Mets trading one of Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer. And we'll see what they do at the deadline. We'll see what they do. They still have seven games left against the Phillies. If they do go five and two in that stretch there in those seven games, that's a three-game swing right there and you gain three games on the Phillies. But right now, there's seven games back of them. So the Mets definitely have a lot of work to do. And they have started to turn things around a little bit as of late. They took two of three against the Chicago White Sox, took one of three against the Dodgers. That was a tough series, but they did get one of three against the Dodgers. Luckily, they didn't get swept. And now they have three games versus the Boston Red Sox, two games at the New York Yankees for the Subway Series next week, and then four games versus the Washington Nationals before the trade deadline. So three versus Boston, two versus the Yankees, and four versus the Nationals all before the deadline. So if the Mets don't want to sell... They have to go at least 6-3, and three, ideally 7-2, and two, in the next nine games in my eyes before the August 1st trade deadline. Otherwise, if things don't work out, and let's say they go 4-5 and five or 5-4 five and four in that nine-game stretch, I would think about selling Mark Hanna, David Robinson, Tommy Pham, and as I said, maybe one of Justin Verlander and Max Scherz if the offer is right. So in this series between the Mets and the Red Sox, I'm going to break down the pitching matchups. For the Red Sox, tonight it'll be Cutter Crawford on the mound. I'm a big fan of Cutter Crawford. He's been awesome on the year. 4-4 four and four overall with a 3.74 ERA and a 1.13 whip versus Kodai Senga, who is a rookie for the Mets, has been their best pitcher overall in the year, a 7-5 record with a 3.2 ERA and a 1.26 whip. He's been very good, has a very good ghost fork ball that has the best movement in the game of baseball on any pitch. He's unhittable sometimes when he's locked in. James Paxton will be on the mound for the Red Sox tomorrow. His start was pushed back a day, so Cutter Crawford was pushed up a day to pitch today. James Paxton will be tomorrow. Paxton on the year, a 5-2 record with a 3.51 ERA and a 1.03 whip. He'll be going up against Max Scherzer on the mound for the Mets with an 8-3 record, a 3.99 ERA and a 1.18 whip overall in the year. 
And then for Sunday Night Baseball, it'll likely be an opener for the Red Sox with Nick Pavetta getting a bulk amount of innings in relief. And then for the Mets on the mound, it'll be Carlos Carrasco, who is 3-3 on the year with a 5.35 ERA. So whoever takes this series, it is huge momentum for. This series means a lot more for the Mets, though. I think if the Mets do take 2-3 of in this series, it's momentum going into their next series against the Yankees, which is a two-game set for the Subway Series, and then four games versus the Nationals. If the Mets take 2-3, of that's huge. My predictions, though, I'm going to go with the Sox taking two of three. I think the Sox win tonight and win Sunday. I think they lose on the Saturday game against Max Scherzer. So now some other storylines for the Red Sox. Trevor Story, he's starting a rehab assignment today in Portland. He'll play five innings at shortstop and be hitting in their lineup as well. Chris Sale threw a bullpen a few days ago. He felt pretty good. The earliest he can return is August 1st. Not too sure about the date he will return, but the earliest he could return from the IL is August 1st. Hopefully the Sox have him back in the next few weeks. And then Corey Kluber will throw two innings in a rehab assignment tonight. So there's three storylines and updates there for the Red Sox injuries-wise. And now I'm going to talk about the Los Angeles Angels before concluding this episode and starting my trade deadline episode in just a few minutes. So for the Angels, they have 4-6 and six in the last 10 games. They did just sweep the New York Yankees in a three-game set. The Angels now stand at 49-48 and 48 overall in the year and are five games back of the last wildcard spot in the AL, which is currently held by the Toronto Blue Jays. They are tied with the Houston Astros record-wise, but the Astros have the tiebreaker over them, so the Astros have the fifth spot in the AL, the second wildcard spot overall. Then the Blue Jays have the sixth spot in the AL, which is the third wildcard spot. So the Angels still have some work to do to figure out what they're going to do before the trade deadline. A lot of what they're going to do with the trade deadline is going to depend on how they perform over the next 7 to 10 games or so before the deadline. So I'll give you guys a breakdown of how they performed in the series against the Yankees and then give you guys a preview of the rest of their schedule going into the trade deadline. So in their first game on Monday versus the Yankees, Griffin Canning was electric on the mound for the Angels, going 5 and 2 thirds innings, giving up 6 hits, 2 earned runs, 12 strikeouts to 3 walks, and 120 pitches on the night, which is the most by a pitcher in a single game this season. Shohei Otani hit his 35th home run of the season, which was a two-run shot in the seventh inning to tie the game 3-3. The Angels end up winning that game 4-3 in extras. Tuesday, Domingo Herman was on the mound for the Yankees. He was lit up for five earned runs in six innings of work with nine strikeouts to three walks. The Yankees had just two hits on offense on the night. Cold night for the Yankees' offense which has been the story ever since Aaron Judge went down in early June against the Los Angeles Dodgers. As for who pitched well for the Angels, it was Patrick Sandoval on the mound. He was very good in that game for the Angels, going seven and third innings with two hits, one earned run, gave up a home run to Gleyber Torres, did have seven strikeouts in three walks. Angels win that game 5-1. to one. Big win there for the Angels. Mickey Moniak had a three-hit night. He was three for four overall on the day with a two-run home run, three runs batted in, and a stolen base. Zach Neto was one for two with two runs scored and a walk. And then Shohei Otani was one for three with a run batted in as well. The Angels had five hits on the night, all three of them coming from their one through three hitters. So Moniak had three hits. He was hitting third on the night. Otani was batting second. He had a hit. And then Zach Neto had a hit as well from the leadoff spot. And then on Wednesday, Taylor Ward was the player of the game for the Angels, going two for four on the night with a home run, three runs batted in, two runs scored, and a walk. Luis Ronjifo also hit a home run for the Angels. He had two runs batted in. Chase Silseth was on the mound for Los Angeles. And he was brilliant, going five and two-thirds innings on the mound with 10 strikeouts to two walks, 
giving up just four hits in those five and two-thirds innings pitched and just one earned run, which was a home run to Giancarlo Stanton. He improved his ERA to 4.44 on the year and is now 2-1 and one on the year overall for the Angels. Carlos Rodon started on the mound for the Yankees, and he was lit up four and a third innings is all he went, giving up four hits, six earned runs, two home runs, three strikeouts to five walks. Tough night for Rodon. He's been poor for the Yankees in three starts this year. He's a 7.36 ERA on the season with 12 earned runs and 14 two-thirds innings pitched with a 1.432 whip and 11 strikeouts, two nine walks. I think even with Aaron Judge back at some point from his toe injury that he suffered against the Dodgers, I still think it'll be too late, though, and I don't think it'll be enough to solve this Yankees lineup. Right now, the Yankees' best hitter is Gleyber Torres, who's hitting 263. And then you look at the rest of that lineup. Oswald Perazzo is the leadoff hitter for the Yankees in that last game against the Angels. He's hitting 190 with a 572 OPS on the year. Giancarlo Stanton's hitting 198 on the year with a 725 OPS. DJ LeMahieu hitting 231 on the year with a 658 OPS. Anthony Volpe, a rookie, hitting just 207 with a 652 OPS on the year. Franchi Cordero hitting 194 with a 687 OPS on the year. Harrison Beta hitting just 243 with a 698 OPS. Isaiah Kainafalefa hitting 250 with a 676 OPS on the year. Kyle Higashioka hitting 232 with a 651 OPS. And then Oswaldo Cabrera is hitting just 208 on the year with a 583 OPS. This Yankees lineup is very poor. And I think even with Aaron Judge back at some point, I don't think it solves all of these issues for the Yankees. I think the Yankees should blow it up. If I were the Yankees, I would consider trading Harrison Bader if you could get something back. Isaiah kind of left. Maybe even Luis Severino. I know he's been struggling on the year, but if you don't think you can re-sign him and you're not interested in re-signing him, maybe you sell at the trade deadline. I don't think they're going to sell any of those three guys. I think the Yankees are going to do the reverse. I think they're going to buy at the trade deadline. But I'm saying if I were them, I would sell at the trade deadline. I would sell if I were the Yankees. I don't think Judge coming back solves all of this team's issues. If you look at it, the starting rotation struggling. Domingo Herman did have a perfect game on the year, but he's been poor overall in the season. Then you have Carlos Rodon getting lit up in his three starts. Garrett Cole's been very good, though. He's been a bright spot for the Yankees. You have Luis Severino, who's been getting lit up on the season overall. And then Nesta Cortez is hurt. So if I were this Yankees team, I would potentially think about selling at the trade deadline. I don't think they're going to do so, though. And if I were them, maybe not sell completely. But I wouldn't buy heavy at the trade deadline. I would not go out and look at getting Shohei Otani, look at getting Juan Soto. I don't think this team gets that much better even with one of those guys in the lineup. If you look at the rest of that lineup, yet makes two and three better in the lineup with Judge and, let's say, Soto. But the rest of that lineup is just very poor. So I would not trade four big pieces at the deadline if I were the Yankees. I would potentially think about selling. But I think this team ends up buying at the deadline. So let me look at the Angels' remaining games for the trade deadline. So they have three games versus Pittsburgh. Three games versus Detroit, and then three games versus Toronto. Ideally, I would like the Angels to go 7-2 in this stretch, but I would take 6-3, and three, maybe lose a game in each series, and take 2-3 of three in all of those. That would be a win for the Angels. Then the trade deadline, right after that series against Toronto, and then after the trade deadline is very tough for this Angels team. They have three games versus Atlanta, four versus Seattle, three versus San Francisco, three versus Houston, three versus Texas, three versus Tampa Bay, and then three versus Cincinnati. That's a very tough stretch after the trade deadline. So even if things do go well before the trade deadline against Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Toronto, they do have a very tough stretch after the trade deadline. I will give you guys my thoughts, though, on what they should do at the trade deadline in my next episode. As for one thing I want to talk about right before I close the episode, it's comparing Shohei Otani to Babe Ruth. I saw a very interesting stat today from SportsCenter. In Babe Ruth's first 674 career games, he had 159 total home runs. 
Shohei Otani, in his first 674 games of his career, 160 home runs. So Otani has one more home run in the same amount of games in 674 career games. Then Babe Ruth, in his first 455 innings of work on the mound, he had a 35-18 record. Shohei Otani, in his first 455 innings on the mound, a 35-19 record. So it's obviously been the biggest storyline of the year is how great Shohei Otani has performed this season, and that's going to be something very big over the next week before the trade deadline is whether or not the Angels are going to trade the best player in the game of baseball, and that being Shohei Otani. I don't think they're going to trade him as of now. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Angels and what they should do with the trade deadline in just a few minutes, but I would keep Shohei if I were the Angels. Obviously, it is a very tough stretch after the trade deadline is over, so it wouldn't be too bad of an idea if you could trade him and get back a very good return, which I'm sure you could get back two to three top 100 prospects and probably two good pieces that are young pieces on a major league roster as well. This Angels team has a lot to figure out over the next week and a half. That front office does have a lot of work to do and a lot to figure out. But if I were the Angels, I would keep Shohei Otani, and this is the reason. If you know you're not going to be able to re-sign him after the season's over, and even if you offered him, let's say, $650 million and he declined it, right now if you offered him that as an extension he declined it and you knew he's not going to re-sign, it wouldn't be a bad idea to trade him. It wouldn't be. But with it being maybe, let's say, a 5% chance he does return to the Angels, let's say, maybe 10% chance, I think if there is a somewhat percent chance that he does come back to the Angels in free agency, I think you keep him. Because if you do trade him and you do get back a great return, let's say three top 100 prospects and two young pieces on a major league team and maybe even more, you're still giving up the rights to show Airtiny for the future. Because if you do trade him, you're not going to get him back in free agency. That's just a reality. And that's another reason I would maybe try to keep him after the trade deadline. You still can make a run with this team. And I'm going to make this case in just a few minutes in my next episode. And even though there is a very tough stretch of games there, three versus Atlanta, four versus Seattle, three versus San Francisco, and the list goes on after the trade deadline's over, there is still somewhat of a chance you can get hot and turn things around and get things back on track. Sweeping the Yankees is a start for the Angels. Now they have three versus Pittsburgh and three versus Detroit. Maybe go five and one in that stretch. And then you have three versus Toronto. Maybe go two out of three in that stretch there. And you're looking at a stretch there where you go seven and two and things are looking up for the trade deadline. And as I've said, things will be tough after the deadline's over. And I get that. But if there is a chance you can keep Shohei Otani, maybe by getting hot towards the end of the season, make a postseason run and you can offer him $650 million or $700 million in a contract, I think you keep him. And I don't think Adi Moreno, the Angels owner, wants to trade him. I think he wants to keep him and try to fight for him in free agency. So we'll see what the Angels do. As I said, it's going to depend on how they perform over the next nine games before the trade deadline. So that'll conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.